are listening to Musings, Thoughts from a Biblical Worldview with Paul Lewis. Today's episode, we continue with our series on worldviews. In the previous episodes, we explored the idea of worldviews by looking at the fact that we all believe as a starting point looking on the factors that shape the content of what we believe. And lastly, we looked at what we hope to achieve and answer as we seek out these answers and beliefs. We concluded that what we aim at is to understand the truth, the truth about who we are, where we come from, and what is our purpose. Now, this podcast is called Thoughts from a Biblical Worldview and therefore affirms initially the view I hold to, which is a biblical worldview. Though this is the case though, you, my listener, may not be aware of the other views people hold to, in an attempt to make sense of the world before us. As we progress in exploring the question of worldviews, I want to look on a few views that seek to answer the big questions as it were. Ultimately, There are a few ways we view the world currently. We see man, he's all that we observe. We can espouse a view that does not exceed or transcend man as a source of all things. Then there's the created world, all that we see around us, outside of man himself. And then the question of how did we get here emerges, which shapes what I think are ultimately the other questions. When we see everything around, even man himself, we do ultimately ask, where did all this come from? Which then extends to views that aim to make sense of it all. What I hope to do is share the varying views, explaining what they believe, and in part two, offer a critique of these views. So as we explore this present topic on the different views, I will break down each section as it were, into categories. So there's theism, a God who is there, as it were, and the views that emerge from this. Then there's naturalism, and the views that arise from this perspective, and existentialism. Now, now, for existentialism, according to Francis Schaeffer, there is religious existentialism and secular existentialism. Those are, those are the differentiations he will make. But for the purposes of this episode, I want to focus on the secular view of it. So I'm not looking at a religious um, perspective. And then lastly, postmodernism. That's the last one I will look on. So each of these perspectives will have their extensions of thought that I will seek to examine with the aim of explaining, but also grounding the perspective perspectives in views we have today. Now, I will only aim to be descriptive. I'm not exhausting it, but I'm being descriptive so you get a sense of what all these views are, what they entail. And then in part two, I will attempt to provide a critique of these views and why they come up short in my view. So essentially, when we stare out into the world and wander with our minds awash with questions, we must know that many others have done the same things before us. We have seen matter 
and wonder, how could this be? For some of us, we use an argument for the existence of God where we consider that nothing has an uncaused cause. In other words, there was a first cause, as Aristotle communicated, and men like Thomas Aquinas echoed, where he expressed the idea of the, un, the unmoved mover, who is God. Now, as the New Lion Handbook of Christian Beliefs phrases it, Paul opened his address on Mars Hill, sometimes known as the Areopagus, by noting that the Athenians were renowned for their religiosity. They were aware of the spiritual dimensions of life and as concerned as anyone to find out the meaning of life. End quote. This first view is what is known as theism, which is taken from the Greek taken from the Greek word theos, where we get other views, other words such as theology, theism, theist, and even atheist. You know, it's a joining of another word, but effectively that there's the root of it. We will look on that a little later. This view that is theism says all the world that we know, its origins and the meaning behind life is found in a creator. It is important to note that some views differ because they hold to and believe in many gods, which is polytheism, as opposed to one god, monotheism. The aim is not to be exhaustive, as I said before, but to give a brief survey so as to acquaint you, my listener, with the different views. Some of the views that have emerged are Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, etc. But I will just add this. In my own cultural context and background, because I'm Jamaican, there is Rastafarianism. Now, theism says... God is the starting point for gaining answers to life's big questions. And therefore, knowing who he is matters first before knowing who I am. So before we even get to the idea of identity, I must get to the idea of understanding who God is. That's what theism says. And as time progressed, this, the views about who God is expanded in that persons had differing views about God, which for some meant, I believe, I believe in God, but I see I see it differently. And for others, it meant I do not believe that um, that view of God. I believe something else. Now, in believing or affirming God exists, some have seen enough evidence to affirm his existence, but they question the nature of his existence based on just the same, according to the same idea of evidence present. One such view that has come from this is deism, the view that God exists, but that he is not directly involved in the world. Effectively, God is like a clockmaker who created the clock, wound it up, let it go. In other words, uh, God exists to them as creator, but does not interfere in the affairs of men. Now, this view is considered logically consistent with the evidence because uh, from a practical example, they will look on the problem of evil, the presence of evil that is prevalent in the world and suffering that exists um, and God existing. And to, to reconcile God existing and seeing all of that, 
they will say, okay, clearly God exists, but he is clearly not that involved in the world. He is distanced himself and man is, man is left to fend for himself. He's not personally involved. So one, one quote that actually carries the deistic viewpoint is actually the view that we tend to attribute to the Bible, which is not in the Bible, uh, where he says, God helps those who help themselves. Right? So that is deism. Then there's the view of God being everything and everyone, where everything has an element of the divine, which is called pantheism. Such worship tends to be inclusive, since the claim is all things have a measure of the divine, especially the creative order, created order. As such, the worship of nature and animals is a feature. Pantheism actually is a central feature of Hinduism, and philosophically it is a major view of the New Age movement, where there is no objective, overarching view of morality. And so the pantheistic view flows over not just in worship but in ethics as Christian apologist L.T. J. Kondran states the pantheist does not make any distinction between good and evil except in a temporary sense there is no framework for absolute standards of ethics thus all values have to be considered to be relative then there are still others that was pantheism then there are still others as they observe and ask questions, they view life differently. They view the world with the absence of God existing at all. And all that exists in the universe is physical, material matter. There is no creator, and origin has come about through a different process. The view I am referring to is naturalism, actually. According to James Sire in his book, uh, The Universe Next Door, this view aims to say that nothing comes from nothing. Something is, therefore something always was. But that something, say the naturalist, is not a transcendent creator but the matter of the cosmos itself. In some form, all the matter of the universe has always been. End quote. The universe, according to the naturalist, has a closed system, meaning... Answers and intervention is not sought beyond the universe, which excludes the answer for God, meaning and answers is are found within the system. If matter is all that exists, then that is ultimately our reference point. Now, effectively, the naturalist still affirms the cause and effect um, argumentation, but they reject any personality or being or God as a first cause. Since what they look to are observable, provable facts, they believe everything has a physical or natural explanation. And investigating the natural elements will reveal that explanation. So the question of who is man follows surely from this thought, actually. If matter is all that exists, then man is fundamentally made up of the same Again, James I is helpful here in his book, and he makes the point to say, to say man is simply a part of the cosmos. In the cosmos, there is one substance, matter. Man is that and only that. The laws applying to, to matter apply to him. 
He does not transcend the universe in any way. Man is not seen as distinct from other objects or animals, though some would argue otherwise. Man's origin is in nature and will most likely return to it. In terms of origin, that was identity. In, ter in terms of origin, evolution as expressed by Darwin is seen as the mechanism that brought man about. So as naturalism explains identity and origin, governance and meaning is found in man as well because it came with him. The capacity to be ethical, essentially. And so again, Sire says, James Sire says, ethics is autonomous and situational. Ethics stems from the human need and interest. To deny this distorts the whole basis of life. So now beyond naturalism and its explanations void of God because they don't believe in God, we come to views that center a lot on man and his experiences. One such view is existentialism, a heavy focus um, on the self and the experiential side of life. Essentially, persons like Heidegger, Camus, Albert Camus, and Sartre felt that philosophy focused on the objective and the rational too much. The existentialists uh, saw the universe as absurd and lacking any universe uniformed rationalistic answer. And so to find one's true self, according to Schaeffer, you, according to Francis Schaeffer in his book, Escape from Reason, you authenticate yourself by an act of the will, end quote. This is one sense in which we can see this. That sense is the, in which we, meaning and transcending circumstances comes about um, by man's, man's, man, man's expression of self. Uh, now, effectively, um, man, the, the, the man's self is really all that he has. His self-consciousness and determinacy. Nothing is outside it. And when man rises above his circumstances, he expresses himself. And the other sense of the expression of self is connecting and communicating with others about our own experiences, man's experiences. So for the existentialist, God does not exist. Man does. And so the sense of identity, origin, and meaning is found there. But uh, centers heavily on the experiential, effectively. Now beyond existentialism, we have another view that is quite pervasive, quite popular. One that rejects absolute systems of truth and embraces a more inclusive view. This is the postmodernism. This is the postmodern view or postmodernism. Key aspects of his tenets are: we can't be certain of truth. It rejects the meta narratives or the absolute systems of of truth and embraces something more subjective and more inclusive in its expression. So persons who believe and adhere to this view uses a method of what they call deconstructing to remove the layers and get to the essence of a claim. They also use the method to show that fixed meaning it does not exist. So this view challenges established views 
that have always been held and calls on persons to firstly adopt what is known as an incredulous position towards the meta-narrative. So it's a suspicion or even rejection of any unified, absolute expression of truth. Because essentially it doesn't exist. And so a relative um, or subjective view of truth um, is what, is what is, takes over as the art of the day. So this is what we are left with, as I said before. So is a suspicion or the rejection of anything absolute, a relative or subjective view of truth, and a more pluralistic or accommodating view towards other expressions. These are the things we have. So essentially, um, if, if we were to even get practical about what this looks like, it is to have a subjective ethic. You can't tell somebody that this is wrong, for me and wrong for you it becomes subjective it becomes situational this situation differs from the next and so the ethic changes and so definitions also evolve um so this differ this it evolves and so other views that other persons would consider to be objectively defined and fixed they are not necessarily um sharing that kind of view so, so far, effectively, we have looked on a few views that would shed light on how we see man, how we see the world, um, the beliefs about life that we can't see, right? the metaphysical. Now, essentially, I have not looked on evolution or atheism as a system per se, as a broad system as I've been looking on others. Since I think these are views persons hold to, but I see them as extensions of views I've mentioned already. So view, extensions of naturalism, for, exam, for example, though not completely. The example, that's an example of how um, evolution and atheism are part of these. So surely you don't have a theistic atheist. Those are night and day mutually exclusive expressions. But there are atheistic existentialists who fall under the secular view of existentialism. And they have a naturalistic framework. They have a view, they have a naturalistic view about the origin of life. And there are some who are actually theistic evolutionists. They believe God used the method of evolution to establish the world and everything. So the positions that I just mentioned, they extend from the systems that I've explored a little while ago. And so for this episode, I looked on the system, as I mentioned before, but in the part two of this episode, or the next episode rather, um, I will explore, as I said before, criticisms of the same views, but I will include evolution and atheism as extensions of the thoughts. So I didn't look much on that and neither did I look on other views because there are others. Um, what I looked on are the views that I think are ones that are still very pervasive today. Maybe when we do question and answers, I can look on some others. But right now, those are the views I wanted to present for our understanding. Now, as one late Christian apologist once said, philosophy comes to us on multiple levels. There's a scholastic form. 
It comes in art and literature, and it comes out even in everyday conversation. Now, oftentimes we can't pinpoint the undergirding view because we may not know and be aware of them. Right? Now, knowing the beliefs essentially that exist helps us not to avoid the world but to understand it. That's the aim behind this. We want to understand it. And so Francis Schaeffer is very helpful where he says in his book, Escape from Reason, we must realize that we are facing a rapidly changing historical situation. And if we are going to talk to people about the gospel, we need to know what is the present ebb and flow of the thought forms, end quote. So that's my aim. So join us next week as we continue to um, continue to look on this topic um, with part two of exploring these world of views. Thank you for listening to Musings. If you have enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe and leave a comment. Also, I would love to hear your questions and feedback. So send them to the musingspodcast at gmail.com. Please join me again.